You are listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our friends. Activist theology is built on the power of story, and we believe story can change the world. We also know that being in community with one another on this journey will help to build a movement committed to collective liberation and a more loving world. We have a commitment to the ethics and politics of Encajunto, or togetherness. And we are together in this work with you. Hi, folks. This is Dr. Robin. And this is Reverend Anna Galladay. And we are your hosts for the Activist Theology Podcast. It's time for all of us to get our hands dirty. Pastor. Dr. Robin. How are you? Start over. You Why are you laughing? Well, I, I was looking for the, oh, it's on the left now. I was looking up at the center. And no, you were dancing. You were dancing in your head to share. That yeah. is why we missed our cue in. We're going to yeah. actually keep this because it's funny. You were shimmying to share in your head. Yes. When we should have been introducing and saying hello to each other. But let me hey, just Dr. say Robin. that. That Zencaster has done an update, so my cue to look for the timestamp is in a different place, and okay. <laughs> and I didn't realize that. So I was looking in the middle, and it says playground, and I'm like, that is not the time, but I see it now. It's on the left. It's above yes. your head. It is. Yes. You hold Hi. the time construct. Hi. I do. I hold it right here. <laughs> How are you? Well, I'm. I, I mean, I'm great. Uh, I was gone for a bit, and you know, now suddenly I'm back, and lots of lots like of Jesus. Things. Yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> I, I've been resurrected from Palestine, um, from the military occupation lands. Yeah, uh, I, I'm back and getting back into the groove of things. I've not even been back. Um, I guess, I guess next Wednesday, two weeks. yeah, two weeks, two and a half yeah. weeks. And, um, I'm ready to go back. Yeah. You had quite the liberative trip. I mean, it really yes. was, um, uh, an amazing journey and it was great for those of us that weren't able to be there to, to watch and, and experience it from where you were. You FaceTimed me a few times yep. and I got to say hi to you while you were away, which always makes my heart happy. Yeah. Um, the world continued to um, be a blazing inferno of bullshit while you were gone. So, I mean, unfortunately, your departure and rearrival back here didn't change any of that. Right. Uh, we are. Um, we continue to see the unfolding of um, all kinds of nonsense coming out of our political systems. Uh, the midterms are quickly approaching, um, which will be which something. Which I will be watching from a different country. You will be watching. You are intentionally leaving town again. I don't blame you. Um, I, I don't have that luxury. Um, I'll be in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, which I mean, you know. Is, is, a, is different for me, but not a different country. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's a lot happening. Um, well, what and, else is and, going on in your world? Well, a lot's happening in Chattanooga. A lot is happening in Chattanooga, yes. Um, we have just... So our, our Pride Festival is held in uh, the first week in October. Uh, 
it's always the week before Atlanta's. Um, we switched um, many years ago just because of the heat in yep. in June. And so we host our Pride Festivals um, the week before Atlanta. And it um, we have had an onslaught of Proud Boy participation in our Pride Festival this week. Um, thankfully, the festival... Um, a few days ago on Sunday was a beautiful display of um, just self and and being and humanity. And we we avoided any issues with any of the of the militia that folks that have been in town for the week. But it was quite the trying week for those of us who, you know, are trying to engage in action here and trying to keep keep our queer friends um, yeah, and, and here too, um, l- last week, Matt Walsh went after the trans clinic, the pediatric trans clinic yes. at Vanderbilt, and Matthew Paul Turner um, and I were both targeted by Matt and his minions. And so I'm trying to let that die down and trying to take the high road on a lot of that stuff, you know, Um but lots coming down the pipeline, I would say. Yeah, it's, um, it's you know, we're in the heart of fall, um, which, you know, may for some mean the changing of a season. For those of us that are, you know, trying to do this work, it's the continuation of, mm-hmm. of the, of, you know, of the heart of it and the heat of it. And so um, I, I'm excited that we, that Chattanooga pulled together. I can't, t- so I had a ton of, cis straight folks come up to me at the festival on Sunday and say, you know what, we would have never come to pride, but we saw what was happening Mm -hmm. and we said, Oh hell no, not, not in our city. This is not who Chattanooga is. We are not letting these folks get the best of us. And we showed up to support everybody. And I, you know, I hope they had a good enough time that, you know, they decide that they want to engage with our community, you know, more and, and longer in the future. Yeah. Um, but the simple fact that we had such a good turnout and there were folks there who really came in solidarity for queer folks because they know that that's not who the city is. It was, it was heartening. It was, yeah. it was really, it was a really beautiful thing to see. So, good, you know, good. for, for, for a day, I had a glimmer yeah. of goodness. I, I wish Nashville would change uh, their pride festival because yeah, in June, child. it's just so fucking hot. It is. It is. But anywho, here we there's are. There's a lot going on in the world. Yes. Uh, we are thrilled to be back friends. Thanks for your patience in um, letting us, you know, continue to get our schedules under control. I can tell you that uh, Robin and I spent a good amount of time together yesterday looking at the podcast recording schedule. Yes. And if all things go according to plan, we will have a very consistent several months of episodes (laughs) coming your way. And so we're really excited about that. We're glad to be back to recording. We've missed you. Um, We've missed hearing from you. Uh, We have heard from those of you that are really... um, frustrated that you aren't getting episodes from us on a regular basis and we hear you and we love you and we're sorry um we're doing our best so today is a magical day we are we are really thrilled um to welcome two friends to the activist theology podcast um 
for those of you um, who are a part of um, the music scene or are familiar with these folks, it will not be um, a surprise to you that we have gravitated towards the new single that they've launched. And we want to tell you all about them. We want to tell you all about this piece of art. And we want to give you a chance to hear it um, as well. But before we do that, um, I'd like to welcome in... um, Kashif Andrew Graham, uh, who is a spoken word artist out of Nashville, Tennessee, and Blake Mundell, who does music as Courier. Um, and you can find both of them across the interwebs, but more importantly, you can find them both here today with us, Blake yes. and Kashif. Welcome to the Activist Theology Podcast. Hello. So glad to be here. So glad to be here. So exciting. We're really thrilled you're here. Um, I would love for you to just take a a few minutes, um, each of you, to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Um, Let us know uh, who you are, how you come about the work, um, how you um, engage in this work of getting your hands dirty towards the pursuit of liberation. Um, And I'll let you decide which one of you wants to go first. Blake, I'll let you go first. Uh, (laughs) Oh, we're so polite. Okay, I'll go first because I really want to go first anyway. Uh, I am Kashif Andrew Graham. Uh, I am a writer and librarian here in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I am a queer Jamaican-American man and cis cis male. uh, And I approach the work of activism as a sort of uh, lyrical power a lyrical war, if you will. Mm. Um, I have found that my strength is, you know, I fight in verse. Um, I believe that I can tell stories that uh, help people to be more empathetic, you know? Um, And so that's how I've engaged in in the work uh, through the personal essay, through poetry, through uh, short stories. Um, I'm at work on a novel right now. uh, And that's my activism. And I'm Blake uh, Mundell, and I do music under the name Courier here in Nashville, which is essentially just pop music told from different people's perspectives, which I suppose is a way that I really fight for empathy amongst amongst um, my audience as well, not to necessarily communicate like uh, big haughty ideas that I have, but to just tell the simple stories of people that are in my life in hopes that um, that process will not only form community amongst like me and my peers that we're working on things with, because I think, you know, what I, I guess like um, our, our current culture kind of usually pushes us to do are more kind of hyper individualistic pursuits. And so what I like to imagine is, is how we can rethink even the process as being more communal and working together so that the actual content that we end up with um, is imbued with that same kind of communal feeling and magic. And um, yeah, I do that. And then I also, um, do uh, a little bit of teaching. Um, I'm a sports massage therapist. And so I like to uh, kind of have a bunch of different eggs in a bunch of different baskets. So 
Thank you both. Um, We are here not only to celebrate the two of you, but also to let our listeners hear this amazing new single that you have out called The Corner of Every Room. Um, It was um, released and correct me if I'm wrong, Blake, it was released as a single. And then there's a secondary single that has Kashif's spoken word as a part of it. Is that correct? It's all the, it's it's, all the same. It's all the same. Yeah. I love that even more than we wanted it all to be there together. Yeah. I love that even more. Um, Tell us a little bit about the imagination behind um, the song and spoken word and let us know, let our listeners know kind of what they should um, particularly pay attention to once we give them uh, the chance to listen to it in a minute. Well, I'll start this one off. Um, This song originally was, I I just, it was, I I conceived of it originally as an interlude on a record that I've been working on for several years now. And it started off like very small, very short. I I was sort of thinking that there would be some sort of spoken word collaboration in there, but it was, it was a very kind of loose uh, vision that I had. And then it, over the years, I just wrote more and more and more, and it just grew and grew and grew until, um, like the section that I had was like three minutes long without a chorus. And then I asked Kashif to come in and Kashif, I I was envisioning maybe like a 20, 30 second tops, like poem and Kashif brought his whole three minutes to it, Mm. which kind of it in a way that we hadn't anticipated mirrored each other. So it's, it's almost like Mm -hmm. this palindrome of a song that, that uh, I, I, there was some sort of magic at work um, in that, that we weren't overtly communicating about, but that just kind of showed up. That was, that was um, really surprising. I think for me, the best pieces of art manifest themselves in that way. In in, in all honesty, in all honesty, um, Kashif, what would you add? I would add to that, you know, I definitely think, there was, I say, the spiritus mundi. Some people will say big magic. There was definitely something at work. And uh, I, when I first heard the lyrics, I started thinking about, you know, this poem, these lines that I could never sort of get beyond. Um, oh, Lord, when I meet my enemies, may they see me preaching in black diamonds. Mm-hmm. I had written that as just you know, a few lines in 2018, you know, I was recovering from having been, you know, really a failed seminary and a sort of theological disappointment. Um, And when I was leaving the seminary, kind of hanging my head, um, trying to figure out what I was going to do, leaving East Tennessee, standing in the parking lot, it was sunny, the golden hour, everything happens during the golden hour. And uh, those lines sort of attended me. When y'all see me again, Mm -hmm. y'all going to see me preaching in black diamonds, I'll be glorified. And you will be ashamed of the fact that you did not honor me, did not, that you, that you ousted me from your community. Mm. Um, and as I, as I read sort of the journey in, you know, uh, and what Blake had written, I felt like we were two wounded sages, mm. you know, sitting down to talk with each other. Um, and I realized also, I, I finally, as, as I was working through and, and um, reading his lyrics, 
all of a sudden, this sort of end of the, this poem, there was so much more. It was like a, a house. And I finally, I had a little house, a little cottage, and I was able to knock out a whole wall and build and realize, oh my goodness, there's so much room here. And so the rest of the lyrics sort of flowed out of that. Oh Lord, when I meet my enemies, may they see me preaching in black diamonds. And then we flow into, you know, a journey of a midnight of the soul and self-love. So definitely a palindrome. And and what happened was the pieces began to speak to each other in ways that we hadn't expected. Yeah, I think both of us were reaching for, uh, and I'm not, I'm, I don't want to spoil the song, but I, I think we were both reaching for this trajectory that we were on and didn't necessarily know that we were on after experiencing exile from communities that meant so much to us. And so our postures toward those communities start off as being kind of like um, uh, the, uh, an attitude in which, you know, I'm going to prove you wrong and you're going to see me um, happy. And, and that means that I have to be happy when I'm in your presence. And then we realized, oh, that itself is a way that we were still being influenced and controlled by those former communities. And um, then, of course, you know, throughout Kashif's poem, and it, it, and uh, there are, I, 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 I like to joke and say this is a six minute song without a chorus. <laughs> but there are moments that it that are are kind of little reprises, at least in the lyrics, and and Kashif's reprise is this uh, continued um, uh, confrontation uh, with folks in former communities and how our posture towards those folks change as time goes on. Well, without further ado, we would like to invite you to listen to this amazing song, The Corner of Every Room. Um, it is a little over six minutes, so please don't give up on it. Um, it will be worth it. It will be worth it to hear both sides um, of this beautiful palindrome. And we're really excited uh, for you to take a listen. So enjoy. Make it make sense. It has it for a while, a while, a while. And all of my friends, all of my friends, mistook me for a child, a child, a child. They said you are gonna leave with the hell we put in you. And I wish they were kidding I saw the shadow of God in my living room But he kept this face hidden I didn't think I'd feel my age there So I just started living Make it make sense In case I'm in denial 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 Oh, cause the tree bears the fruit The root bears the tree The soil in your God is poison to me and I I know you won't hear 
say to them, you crucified me, but I rose for you. You sold me into slavery, but come, get grain for bread. May my grace stick to you like cellophane. May you find it in the watches of the night, laying awake in the remembrance. From the pit to the palace, the red letter to the red carpet, the plantation to the promised land, you will see that God loves me. When you were gone, and when it was me and the blue-black dark, I rose from my knees imprisoned, bound to you and your reappearance, locked in scenes of cinematic power. Take 1,101, clapperboard snapping like a clarion call, but you never entered. My microphone was in hand, my body bejeweled with God's glory, but you never entered. Cut to interior, night, the living room of my soul. Boy stands in corner. Near the corner is a window. By the window is a couple. The couple laughs, but they are too far for him to show and tell the puncture in his palms, the avenue in his side. So it is just him, him and his arms, slow fade out. This hell inside me is a boiler, is a motor, is a fire To keep me going in this forest of feelings Where you left me to lie down for days of night This velveteen night sky is my blanket 
this packed espresso earth, my bed, trampled by all those who have been here before. O oh Lord, when I meet my enemies, may they know that I love me. It's no surprise that people are flo- are uh, flocking out of what it what what is how do you say that they are leaving but they are fleeing they are fleeing the church because whether it's the evangelical church or some sort of other institutional church that is not affirming of folks gender and sexuality that's not new that's been happening for decades really and 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 here is a moment where there is poetry and narrative as a response to y'all's being exiled and and Nashville is an interesting place where many people come to quote unquote deconstruct. I like to call it faith in diaspora. Um, and, and so can you, can you walk us through some of that, maybe your process of how you found yourself in this new fold of being um, exiled and yet, truly who you are and who y'all are becoming? I I will say, absolutely. There was so much uh, that happened, you know, when I went to seminary and the road out of seminary. Um, As I mentioned before, I was sort of a theological disappointment because I came out in seminary um, and in a denomination that was the only real community that I had ever known. Um, And of course, I could not pursue ordination um, in the church of God because they do not ordain queer people expressly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to figure out what I was going to do and who I was going to become. And so I think I identified as, because it was the only thing I knew, a queer Christian for so long and clung on to you know Christian circles. And so I, when I moved to Nashville, I really tried to find queer affirming churches And I went to several and I found that they had a very difficult time that I had to choose often, whether they were going to affirm my blackness Mm -hmm. or my queerness. Mm -hmm. But the the places that I went to um, had a difficult time affirming both, right? Right. So I went to a church, you know, where um, it was... I, it was easy to be queer and completely right. acceptable at all forms and all levels of, you know, polity, but I couldn't jump and shout like a Pentecostal, like a black right. Pentecostal in that space. And um, in the black Pentecostal spaces, it was don't ask, don't tell. Right. Provided there are those churches and spaces in Nashville. I found them eventually, but by that time I was, I sort of decided that I didn't want to go to church anymore mm-hmm. and that I didn't have to, uh, and that I was interested in investigating other ways of believing. Mm-hmm. I think my faith is in is in people. I think my faith is in language. Um, and I, I tell Blake this all the time, you know, anytime we sit for coffee and work and talk, that 
I what has remained with me is the language of the Black Caribbean church. Um, it is a way of communicating, but the the sort of God behind the language, I think I have less interest in. Right. Right. Yeah. Riffing off the language metaphor for me, it, I think I have to back up for myself and my story and just say that Christianity was something that I picked up uh, in my teens that my I wasn't raised in any sort of organized religion. And so I always felt in a sense that it was a second language of sorts, that I was mm-hmm. never speaking, uh, that it was something that it was learned and that it was a role that I had come to play that that wasn't necessarily natural to me. And so um, that meant that when I left the tradition, it was also a way in which I wasn't sort of saying, as I, as I think a lot of people do, and I'm obviously generalizing, it, it wasn't me saying, I'm going to, to buck off what was given to me. It was, I'm going to put down this thing that I once picked up that I thought mm. was good for me. And so there was, there was kind of a level of humility in it for me. But um, if I'm being honest, this whole record was perhaps the biggest catalyst for me in shifting how I thought about community and faith and belief. Um, and that was mostly because I, when I, when I set out first to write this record, I wanted to, wanted it to be like my former record, which all the songs are written about other people's lives. Mm -hmm. And I went to a very good friend of mine and, um, asked her, her thoughts about making a record like that, but that told the stories of folks whose, whose um, experiences in the world uh, were often not told and who were, who were often ignored. Mm-hmm. And she, she told me to go for it, but she warned me that it would be difficult. And we kind of, you know, thought through all of the different ways that we could, we could go about that in a, in an equitable way. But um, it meant that I had to tell the stories of folks that um, I had been, um, avoiding up until that point. And here's an example is that, and and this just a trigger warning, this is, I'm going to talk about like some conversion therapy stuff, but um, I was in conversion therapy with a friend and one of the songs on the record is about his story. And it's, it's kind of a retelling of a letter that he wrote me. And I had to actually let myself sink down into that letter and sink down into that experience. Um, And so then I, I wasn't just confronting, you know, the, 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 um, the struggles that, that he had, but the struggles that I had as well. So Mm. it was, um, that, uh, endeavor that started the shift for me. And then it, it kind of, um, I, I think many people describe it as kind of being swept in a river that, that you kind of lose control of it in a sense or, but, um, but yeah, I think this record has been the main catalyst for me. Mm. I'm wondering for for those folks who haven't heard it quite yet, what are you hoping that folks will walk away with? Is there a word? Is there an image? Is there something that you want people that once they experience this piece of art, what are you hoping they will leave with? Or when they take off their headphones, what is what is the thing that that you want them to have? I think for me, it is uh, a message of Mm self-love. And, you know, the song is about 
performance. And it is about, um, as, you know, especially as we get to the poem part, um, you know, the, the language is very explicit, you know, this idea of waiting to be seen and to be looking well. And, you know, my revenge is that I'm successful and, you know, from the pit to the palace. Right. Um, and, the, you know, the trajectory of the song is towards self-love. And that would be what I want people, you know, to, to walk away from the song with. And I, really, I think when I heard Blake's lines as well, which I won't spoil, but a sense of like, I will be okay um, where I am as I am, I realized that I think that's the greatest thing because when I came out and left the church, um, there were many ways in which uh, my troubles had just begun, you know, navigating queer spaces in Nashville. Mm hmm. A, a lot of trouble there and um, trying to find my people, mm -hmm. you know, and and so if the people that I had been wanting to see me preaching in Black Diamonds, there were many days in which they would have seen me looking dejected yeah. and and wondering what I was going to do and and where my folks were and and learning to love my body. And you know what I'm saying? And so yeah. um, I I realized that and I, I chose not to perform for them anymore. Like I'm, mm. I am, I am sad, but I am not sad for the reasons that you would think. I'm not sad because I'm gay. I'm sad because I feel sad and I'm navigating something that has made me sad. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to sit here in this valley and I'm coming up, but I'm not going to come up when you say I'm going to come up, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I think self-love and patience with self is, is, uh, is probably the thing that I would want folks to take away. Yeah, I don't know if I can say it better than that. Uh, the only thing that I would add is, I, you know, I think sometimes when you hear your inner thoughts um, in the form of a song, even if it's someone else who said those thoughts, it it reaffirms something in you that that you are okay, that that you um, aren't uh, an anomaly for having that thought. And so the the you know the the song opens up with the with the line "Make it make sense," which mm -hmm. is a you know a common phrase that we've heard, but I wanted it to be kind of this lament of, of being in a place of deep confusion and not knowing up from down. And <clears throat> so I, I think throughout the song, and like I said, like it's a long song and it goes a lot of different places. And so I, my hope is that folks can hear their place wherever they are and be reaffirmed to hear their, their place um, being communicated by somebody else who is also in that place. And I, you know, the central question that this record asks is, um, who are my people? That's, mm -hmm. that's every song on this, on this record asks. And, um, I think that this song in particular asks the question, but it also participates in community making in the sense that we're experiencing a common phenomenon together mm -hmm. and something about that binds us to each other. I um, just wanted to say that when I heard the song, um, it reminded me that, so I, I just was in Palestine and we were reading scripture in these places where scripture talks about, you know, like the Mount of, the Mount of Precipitation, um, the Valley of the Shadow of Death, you know, we were reading scripture and I, I was reminded that you know, when, when you're in a place or space, you can see texture and color and contours 
But when you're reading a book, you have to imagine worlds. And as I am listening to this song, and when I watch the lyrical video, uh, which everyone should watch the lyrical video, but as I was listening to the song, it was a reminder that there's so much more to our lives that can't be said. There is this, I would call it like this, this apophatic move, the, the things which can't be said, you're saying them. And it, it was reminiscent of being in the valley of the shadow of death and reading the psalm and looking out on this valley. And there is there are very little green pastures there. There are, you know, you know like the you have to imagine when scripture says and he makes me lie down in green pastures. When you look at the valley of shadow of death, there is rock and the Bedouins are driving their cattle you know the 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 pasture is this little patch of grass and and so you have to imagine right because you're not there reading it and yet when i'm listening to the song you're saying the thing which can't be said and you're creating a world that you know what i would call ethical futures you're creating this another possible world through art through music um you know, there's so many, there's so many attacks against LGBTQIA persons, especially those in the South. And here you are, you're confronting it with this piece of music, and it, it's essentially saying no more. Ya yeah, basta. Does that does that resonate, or or am I missing something? Oh, it, it that absolutely resonates. Absolutely, um, I think, Robin. When I hear you say that, I think of how not just the lyrics, but the the um, the piano melody and the melody itself kind of came to me in in a way that seemed to um, uh, that had this really kind of aesthetic quality. So like when, it, whenever I work on um, a song, uh, especially the production of a song, I, I like to turn on different colored lights mm -hmm. that I feel kind of represent that song. And that song was full of just deep blues and indigos mm -hmm. and purples. And it was just, I was just kind of submerged in this really kind of um, meditative, almost kind of what's the word like numinous um, mm -hmm. space. And it, in many ways, I think even for myself, when I hear this whole song without any of the vocals in it, I still am transported to the place that you're describing, mm -hmm. the place that cannot be described in words. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the the visual piece that Robin just, that thread that they just pulled on because... And, and Robin mentioned this already, friends. You will have a link to see the uh, the spoken word um, and um, the, the the actual video that that has the all of the words kind of illustrated in it. But but what you will see in that piece of art is really like this kaleidoscope of visual stimulation, and I, I love the. Mm -hmm the technique that you use throughout the video of overlapping film 
and the and the transparency of film um, with kind of your your current existence. So what I what I mean when I say that, friends, is that envision as if you were kind of watching a movie being projected onto a screen, and you were standing in front of that screen, and the movie was then being projected on you and behind you, um, and the movie is not stagnant. It is not stale. It is continually moving and the colors are rich and things are evolving and, and, and the, and the shadows are coming in and out and you are a part of the shadows and you are interrupting the shadows and the shadows are interrupting you. And all of this is happening in this kind of beautiful representation. You see all of that in the video version of of this song. Um, And it leads me to think about the way that we are also kind of interrupting and being interrupted by this concept of exile and this concept of community that that we've highlighted. Um, Sometimes we are entering into it. Sometimes we are running from it. Sometimes it is permeating through us, whether we are asking for it to be there or not. Um, Other times we are embedding ourselves in it, um, at times uninvited. Um, I, I love the visual nature um, of the, the piece that you were able to come to, um, at the end of the day, my curiosity around the art, and this is the artist in me is, were you envisioning, did you have a vision for where the, the video could head as you were writing the song or were you, did you kind of manifest that after you kind of heard it all come together and everything got pieced into the, the final, the final selection that, that we end up hearing. I think it all, uh, it kind of happened at different stages. I will say for me, you know, the way that I write poetry is, is cinematically. And so it, there's a constant sort of what's in the cinema of my mind. I love that Baldwin, uh, phrase yes, there in the cinema yes. of my mind. Um, where, you know, in the poem, it, there's literally sort of film direction, you know, cut to interior night, the living room of my soul. But that also was speaking back to um, Blake's lines of, you know, in the corner of every room, that's where we compare the, the cracks in our hearts. And so I then placed a boy there. And um, as the the sort of whole piece was coming together and we were thinking of the, the future and possibly a video, uh, it sort of lent itself, I think, very easily um, to, to becoming a, a lyric video. Mm. Mm. You know, I think sometimes when you work on different creative projects, you kind of hop on to different waves and they feel different and you ride them. But I think when it came to the song and the lyric video, they did happen in different stages and they were spaced apart, but we were able to hop on the same wave, I feel like. And the same wave kind of took us through both of those projects and, and kind of, um, uh, we were able to, to dream up this lyric video in a very easy organic way once we landed on the idea. So, um, yeah, I mean, the thing that I love about this lyric video honestly is it's in a way a a telling of Kashif and I's coming together friendship um in many ways and um so and and that's what I love about it is that it it tells a particular you know our story and it also communicates something universal in Mm -hmm. in in um in the process 
And, and I think the universal there definitely is, I mean, there are many universals, but memory, you know, um, Anna, you taught, you touched on the sort of overlaying of the footage. Um, and when we were discussing that, it's sort of the ways in which memory is so present and memory is no respecter. Memory is no respecter of persons. Memory is no respecter of time. That may be sort of paradoxical, but uh, memory will interrupt you at any moment. It doesn't care what you're doing. It doesn't care where you are. You're standing in line at the grocery store. Memory will step in. Right. Memory will step in when you're sitting at the table in the corner of every room, wherever you are. And we were reckoning with memory as well um, and not running away from it saying, okay, I remember that, but I will be okay. Mm -hmm. I will be everything I need, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and yes, I love that. I think this video is definitely, it is our story, especially as we sort of come together at the end at the table um, and I'm picking at, picking from Blake's food and annoying him. That's the, that, that, that was very true. And I said, this has to be in there, <laughs> you know? So, um, but it is a visual testimony to the journey, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even the, I, well, I mean, half of the video is us at a table, a dinner table. Right. I think there's something very intimate and personal about eating and then uh, eating alone being interrupted by these memories that Kashif's talking about and then eating together. Um, and, and I think that's, that's a essential part of this video as well. Being interrupted by memory, eating alone and making memory eating together. Yes. Yep. yep. And, and what's the vision for ethical futures when we think about community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As well as the intimacy that comes from community. I mean, I think, mm -hmm. I, I think my favorite, my favorite line in the song is um, in the corner of every room I walk into, that's where we compare the cracks in our heart. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a level of intimacy that comes with us being able to not just name that we have cracks in the first place, but actually compare them and show them and, 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 you know, navigate the nuance of, of my cracks with yours mm -hmm. and how, how they intersect and how they may run parallel or how they may be worlds apart. And yet they're all still cracked. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I appreciate, I mean, Robin and I talk on this podcast all the time about the power of eating together, the power mm -hmm. of being around a common table and the power of, of gathering together over a meal. And, um, there are a few people who love hosting meals, um, more than Robin. Um, I mean, that's just the truth. I mean, anyone that knows them, um, and anyone that they care for has been invited to a meal. Um, Kashif, am I am I right about this? Yes, this is true. I mean, this is true. Yes, it, it's a true but story. My taste I'm not, buds remember the memories there. So yes, yes. Yeah, I'm not speaking out of turn. Um, but I, I think that I think that there the, the the evolution of this piece and kind of how we how we see your story move from. Um, a forced exile into a chosen exile, and then kind of accelerating you into the becoming of who you are now, both alongside others and in your being able to select those that you walk on the journey with is really, I mean, it, it really does follow along the lines of the work that active theology is trying to do in the world. I mean, we are trying to be the same kind of community where, um, you know, we, we may not always come from the same place or end up in the same place, but the journey is ours to walk together. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, how do we do that in, in a way that, 
that, you know, is, is holistic and, and is healthy. Um, and so I, I, I really appreciate that from, from the both of you. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's interesting. The, the evolution that takes place in the piece, again, is so real to our, our respective journeys. Um, Blake and I had this conversation some time ago about the table for one. You know, I lived in that, in that energy for, for a good long time after coming out. I was like, okay, well, it's just going to be me. I'm going to do my thing. Nobody can hurt me because I'm the blur. I'm, you know, I move into the restaurant, so to speak, and it's just a table for one. I'm good. I'm all that I need. Um, but there, it takes a courage, I think, to, to come together and uh, break bread mm-hmm. or, you know, break a scone, whatever you want, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a courage to show the cracks, the softest parts of yourself, you know? Um, and I think that coming together that we see at the end of the video is really a, a call, um, a call to people to, to come together and to compare and to be human together. Mm-hmm. I want to pick up this thread that Anna mentioned because it's something that feels very true for me, which is chosen exile or fugitivity. And so many of us um, are no longer tethered to a central space or place that forms and shapes us. There, there is a multiplicity of people, things, etc. that is influencing us. And yet, this chosen exile that I experience as an intellectual activist, as a public scholar, who continues to push against a system that is full of supremacy, it, it feels to me also that that is core to this piece of art, that it's not just about um, it's not just about a narrative or a story of uh, togetherness or community. But it is this um, it is this moment where I feel like you both are saying, this is a failing system, and I'm choosing to walk away. Yeah, there's a power. Ooh, I just felt the Holy Ghost. Um, yes, there is there is a decision to say, I'm walking out of the, you know, we talk about the white gaze. We yeah. talk about the the heterosexual gaze. I think there's the church gaze. Yeah. And there there is this sort of with a capital C church gaze. And when we, I think we chose to walk out of that gaze into the wilderness, into night. And when we were leaving, they said, you're not going to be able to breathe without us. Right. There's no right. air out there. There's no order out there. There's no right. love out there. And we chose to be exiled, to say, mm-hmm. y'all, take, y'all take good care now. And right. to move out of that gaze amble perhaps out of that gaze and and we found our footing but yes i think there was i think there's a way in which the song reflects a chosen exile um finding our own way so to speak mm-hmm. yeah it, i think to piggyback off that it i it feels to me and i'm still i'm still maybe processing this but uh, to me it feels like we're refusing to participate in a community that that where our relationships to other people are contractual where we 
where we say, I will be loyal to you. You be loyal to me. I'll offer you this. You offer me that. And um, now we'll, we'll kind of uh, rest on the laurels of this weird contract that we've made together. Um, and, and we're saying, no, that contract isn't for me. And I think what this song communicates is stepping away from that, but then being like, okay, what else is there? Mm-hmm. And um and then it's this really difficult, um, uncertain journey into what does it mean to just put into practice um, the act of walking alongside somebody else without any sort of, um, uh, while respecting their autonomy, mm-hmm. while respecting and um, fighting for their choices and their freedom. And, um, being uh settled enough in our own being um and who we're becoming to say i i will be okay if i am in the wilderness because i've been in the wilderness before and um that maybe there are other people out here in the wilderness and we can just sort of do this trial and error thing with each other um until we figure out what what makes us all flourish Mm. um away from the the uh the contracts, you know, the system of, um, exchange and, um, that, that, that seems like contingent love, I guess. Mm -hmm. Friends, we could not be more grateful that you chose to spend this hour with us. Um, now that you have had a chance to hear the corner of every room, um, please go listen to the album, which is also named by the same title, The Corner of Every Room. Um, Blake Mundell, because she's Andrew Graham, let our listeners know how they can find you, where they can listen, um, how they can follow you on socials. What's the best way for our listeners to be in touch? Okay, so you can visit me on the web at www.kashifandrewgram.com, uh, Twitter, K-A-G Writes, Instagram, my poetry Instagram, where I write uh, typewriter poetry is K-A-G Writes, uh, TikTok, K-A-G, oh, TikTok is Kashif Andrew Graham, uh, and so is my Instagram, Kashif Andrew Graham. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, uh, just Blake Mundell. And then uh, my website for music is uh, therealcourier.com. Amazing. We'll have all of those links in the show notes, friends. Don't feel like you have to write them down. You know us. We'll give you all the deets that you need. Um, Dr. Robin, it's so good to be back with you. It's so good to spend time with you and record with you. Um, It's been a real gift to have these humans um, in our midst for this hour. And we, um, I mean, it's no secret to anybody that listens to this podcast that Robin and I are both music junkies. I mean, I, um, you know, we, music is the way it, it really is like the soundtrack of my existence. It, mm-hmm. I, I do nothing that doesn't have um, a, a lyrical, a lyrical and or um, musical backing to it. So um, this was a really fun episode to do and Please make sure that you keep up with Activist Theology on all the platforms. Don't forget that Activist and Theology share a T at Activist Theology. Um, Follow our app. Join our app at uh, atporch.com. And until next week, Dr. Robin. We've got lots coming down the pipeline. Thanks, friends. We want to thank you for listening this week. 
we encourage you to share this podcast with your community. If you enjoy us and our work in the world, please give us five stars on your podcast platform. Want to help support this podcast? Go to activisttheology.com and click on podcast. We can only do this work with the help of you, our listeners. You have no idea how much even a small monthly or one-time gift means to this work. The music you hear in this episode is Hands Dirty by Delta Ray. Our sound editor is Dan Medley from 10 South Sounds. I get my hands dirty. I show up so early. They show me no mercy. So I just keep working. Maybe God could save me. Or my boss might pay me. You are listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our friends.